0: Welcome you guys, we're really excited that you're here and really believing great things are going to be happening and uh, excited about our, our middle school program that we're going to be starting our next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, it's actually there'll be a middle school service for 6th, 7th, 8th graders next Sunday morning, it'll start right from the beginning, you know, it's not they're going to be cutting out with the kids because you're not kids are you? And so, uh, you'll be starting out back there together. We've created a new space in the back for all that to happen. Created a new space in the back for high school ministry to happen, which will start tonight. And I'm just really excited. Uh, you know, good things are happening at the Vineyard, yeah? yeah? Yeah. We just need to thank God. Lord, we bow and thank you for the good things that are happening. You know, It just seems like, as a church, we go through seasons. I'm sure it's true everywhere. This is a good one. This is a good one, Lord. And you've given us favor and blessing. And we thank you for bringing Adam and Ashley to us, Lord. And We just pray your blessing on them, Lord, as they make their way into this community, into this fellowship. And Lord, I just pray that you'll show them our hearts so that they can give us their hearts. We just pray all this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the most compelling verses in all of Scripture for me is Genesis 2.18, where it says very simply, It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. That really grips me. It's not good. This is God speaking in the midst of the creation account. And He's talking about how He's creating us as humans. He says, it's not good that a man should be alone. And admittedly, this passage is in the context of noticing that Adam needs a wife just before he creates Eve to complete that. But still, there's a bigger issue here. There's a bigger principle, I think, that applies to us regardless of whether we're married or not, and that's that it's not good that man should be alone. Spoken as part of the creation account, it comes this way, that God who created us, in the midst of creating us, said it's not good that man should be alone, is saying that as part of our hard drive, as part of our created nature, we require relationships. That it's not that we'll be better if we have relationships, but that we were created for relationships, it's not good that man should be be alone. And so today, Pastor Tony and I are launching a four-part series of messages calling, called Life Together, and we have shamelessly ripped the title off from a book by that name, Life Together, written by, written by uh, the great Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was hanged for his faith by the Nazis in 1944 at the age of 39, and he was hanged because of his outspoken messages against the Nazi regime And then it was also discovered that he was taking part in the resistance, taking part in the assassination plot of Hitler. But he was hanged for his faith. And he left behind a great legacy. He left behind The Cost of Discipleship, a great book. Ethics, great book. Bring your lunch. (laughs) And he left behind this little book called Life Together in which he talks about the power and the necessity, the essential need of doing this together, that the Christian life cannot be lived in a vacuum, cannot be lived in isolation, but is meant to be lived in living dynamic relationship with God and powerful, unique, privileged relationship with each other as sojourners on a common journey. And so, we believe that. We agree with that here at the Grove City Vineyard along with many, 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 many other churches around the world. We believe that. That the Christian faith is not about a consumer product that we have to offer to you as an individual. But it's about coming into the life of the body of Christ of which there is one. There is one body of Christ. And believers everywhere are gathered today to worship God and to put themselves under the authority of His Word And to dwell in His Spirit together. And they have all kinds of strange names on their signs, like Lutheran and Methodist and Episcopalian and Assemblies of God, and Baptist. (laughs) Weirdest of all, Vineyard. And we're all united by one Spirit, one Christ. The Bible says there is one Lord, there is one baptism, there is one faith. And so we are in this together. And so uh, recently, Pastor Tony has joined our staff as our uh, relationships pastor, if you will. The primary point of his role is to create space for every person in this fellowship to have equal access to relationship with one another. And so he gives himself to the development and maintenance of the life groups, the small groups, the home groups, the women's groups, the men's groups, etc. groups. He gives himself to fellowship events. He gives himself to pastoral care. He gives himself to these realities of his ministry for your sake, so primarily so that you can find one another and have relationships, healthy relationships with one another. What am I doing here, you ask? I don't know. My role continues to be primarily devoted to helping you find, develop, and maintain living, dynamic relationship with God. I love that. I live and breathe for this fellowship. I live and breathe so that you can find relationship, experience relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're about relationships, and so together Tony and I feel led to bring you these four messages through January in hopes of equipping you to live in the context of these relationships. And during this series, I want to bring you four messages from the Scriptures today created for relationship in which I want to show you that you are created by God for relationship. Next week, I want to bring you a message called Jesus' small group. Jesus had a small group. It was not a group of one. But it was a group of 12, and in some cases it was a group of three. And I want to show you the dynamic of that and what that means. And then later on, we're going to talk about the power of life-giving relationships from the Scriptures. We see them in Scriptures. And you've had that experience. I mean, raise your hand if you're a person who can speak, to somebody, speak of somebody who brings life to you when you're around them. You have a life-giving relationship. See, look at that. There are people in your world, when you're around them, they bring life to you. It's not true of everybody, is it? But it's true of some. And in reality, you are a life-giving person to somebody else. I want to show you how that works. And then finally, we want to look at going deeper in relationship, that it's worth it. It's risky, isn't it? It's risky, the brother-to-brother, sister-to-sister kind of relationships where you go deep. I want to talk about that, show you some things in Scripture, and encourage you that in spite of the risks, it's worth it. So this is what we want to do this month, what we feel led by God to do. And this morning, in the very center of the account of creation, you're just reading through the beginning of Genesis 1 and 2, and God makes this incredible statement. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. And uh, God created us, so only He gets to decide what's true about us, yes? When are we going to stop arguing with God? He did, after all, make us. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And you might be an anti-relationship person. He says, no, it really is good. It really is good. No, it isn't. The Creator said, it's not good that a person should be alone. And uh, so it's not something that's optional. That just as He created you to breathe oxygen, and when you deprive yourself of oxygen, bad things happen, He created you for relationship. And when you deprive yourself of relationship with Him, with others who are walking this out with you, you deprive yourself of life. This is the revelation of God in the Bible. And this revelation that God actually created us for this purpose of having relationships goes even further back than Genesis 2.18. It actually goes back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. When God seemed to have a conversation with himself about making us, and there it says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I see two things. One, we are created for authority. That somehow God in his plan made us to have authority, have dominion, something that he gives us that he wants us to properly use. And this is true Through the coming of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is still true today. And so beginning in February, I'm going to teach a brief series on the subject of kingdom authority, because I want to help you. Because some of you, the devil's still stealing your lunch money, isn't he? And I want to show you in the scriptures, in the power of the Holy Spirit, how we can properly take authority over that and begin to make the progress that you have in your heart to make. But the other thing that you have to notice is that the Bible is clear in saying that we were somehow created in the image of God. He said, uh, in the image of God, we're created. You know, that's a big enough nut to crack all by itself. It? What does that, that mean, that somehow we're created in the image of God? That's a big enough nut to crack all by itself. But then he had to go and say the other thing. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Who is our who are we? I mean, th- doesn't that cause a question? Who's he talking to? I mean, I thought the whole point of the Bible was to teach us that, Hero O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. I thought the whole point of the Bible was to drag people out of, out of this polytheism of many gods and understand that there's one God. So who's he talking to? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. He's having a conversation with somebody. Well, the good news is that we now have the luxury of hindsight. We can look back principally through the incarnation of Jesus that Tony talked about last week. And we now know that God here is referring to himself as the Trinity. You know, you only have to get to the second verse of the Bible to find the Holy Spirit. You know, it says there that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And I meet lots of people who say, no, the Holy Spirit came to us at Pentecost when God poured out his Spirit on all flesh. Oh, no, that's when he poured out his Spirit on all flesh. But we find him in the second verse of the Bible that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the waters. And we understand that. And we see throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of God did this and the Spirit of God did that. And then we, we also know from hindsight, from John chapter 1, think about verse 3, Colossians chapter 1, think about verse 16, that Jesus, the Son, was the one who was active in the creation, that the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was the one who did the stuff, was the one who did the making. I know you get this idea, don't you, that you know you got God over creation. He's kind of all by himself, and he's got a big, long, white beard and stuff, and a big robe, and he's making all this stuff, and then later on comes Jesus, and later on comes the Holy Spirit. But in reality, the Bible says that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all the time. That's how he has forever existed that way. He has made himself that way. I know, God designed himself. Poof, right? God made himself. Poof. He has forever existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we get to this verse here where he says, uh, the core of the Trinity is deep mystery. You know, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's having a conversation with himself. I mean, this is so weird, isn't it? Hello? Hello? You guys are looking at me like this isn't weird. Father, Son, and Holy, this is a deep mystery. Uh, and we can only get so far into it, can't we? And the rest of it goes, duh, I don't know. How many times have I told you that if you want to find me in heaven, I'm going to be that guy with the big red spot right here? Because I'm going to be going, oh, that's how that works, right? I mean, they just don't get it. It's because our brains stop. Our brains stop at the point that he's God. I think that's a good thing. I think if I could tell you, oh, I understand everything about God. You should be very suspicious. I should be suspicious. It's a deep mystery, and we don't understand it. But just because we don't understand a thing doesn't mean it's not true, right? I mean, we we show that every single day. Because we don't understand something, we still act on it. We still do the thing. And it's true of God, and he's this trinity. And he says, let us make man in our image. Wow. And I just want you to get that. He's saying, let us make man in our image. And he he, he gives us the luxury of overhearing that conversation. Well, if it's our image, he's a relational God by nature. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, but they're not different. I know. I don't know how to go from there. But they're still, in saying that, he's saying, I'm a relational God. I have a relationship with myself. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. He's talking to himself. You say, that's weird. How many of you talk to yourself? Raise your hand. Come on, give it up. Exactly. (laughs) You're one. (laughs) And so he's relational. He's saying, at his core, he's relational. So let's make man in our image. So man, then, is relational. Was that hard? Just make the leap with me. But then he, then he goes and messes up another thing. He says, okay, if we do that, it's not going to be good for man to be alone. Okay, we can do that, he says to himself. <laughs> I know. Okay, we can do that. But if that's the case, he's got one person on the earth. <laughs> he goes, that's pretty good. But he's alone. He's alone. And because he's created in the image of God, He has need for relationship. He's not just better with relationship. He requires it. God created you with a need for oxygen. You require it. Put a bag over your head, you'll find out. Right? God created you with a need for relationship. It's not something he wants us to do. It's something that he designed us to require. So the whole aspect of living in healthy relationship with God and then with one another begins with this humble recognition that that's how God made you. We're not proposing that you follow us in developing this relationship with God and others as a way of enriching your life. It kind of comes off that way. Your life's going to be better when you do this. No, you're going to have life when you do this. This is when life begins, is when you do this. Yeah, but you say, it's so messy. These people are so weird. I know. I know. And that's part of God's plan for teaching us about himself, about his forgiveness. I mean, we have to sin against each other, right? Or else we don't understand grace and forgiveness. Some of you are signing up for that all the time around here. I get that. But it's part of the thing. It's part of God's plan for us. Relationships can be hard. Yes? I've discovered something. In my observation of my 57 years on the planet, I've noticed that relationships are hard because I am in them. I noticed this recently that in every strained relationship I've ever had, the common factor is me. The people change, but I'm still there. Did you get that? just a thought. I don't know if it means anything. But it's a thought. It's an observation. I have people, I'm sure, who are living on this earth somewhere today who would hope never to see me again. I know. (laughs) it, It is heartbreaking. They would just hope if I never see Tom Paquette again, it'll be fine. But I have to tell you this, that in every one of these relationships of which I'm aware, if I have any sense that it's my move to ask for forgiveness, 100% of the time I've done it. I can't always predict their response to that. But 100%, I know of no one on the planet with whom I am, some kind of odds that if I feel the burden of of responsibility at all I, well, in fact I err on the side of caution here that I haven't made some overture of forgiveness and in many times it's been granted, It's has been wonderful reconciliation, restoration, our relationships are better now than ever but in reality relationships are tough and they're not getting any easier are they? they're not getting any easier I think that one of the worst things to happen to the general health of relationships in our culture, are you ready, is this thing called the internet or the ultra webs or whatever you call it. I don't know. Just kidding. (laughs) I want to tell you why. Because I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had with people over the last several years who have come to me in desperation, they've told me some important relationship in their life has spun out of control because of something that was said via email or posted on Facebook. I've seen that again and again and again. Now, I am not against email or Facebook. But I'm saying there's something happening there. And... Uh, People say things in those venues that they would never say in person, ever. And they go, oh, yes, I would. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Send. This is exactly what I would say if I was facing you. Send. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And you know it. You know it. And we can send that, and then we can say, oh, that's not what I meant. I mean, it's passive-aggressive paradise is what it is, right? Well, I'm just going to shoot this off their way and see what they think of that. I'm just going to post this on their wall. (laughs) It's hurting, isn't it? I'm not saying it's a bad thing in and of itself, the thing, but I'm saying it's a venue for saying things that we would never, ever, ever say in person. You know, knowing that I was going to be taking our interns, we have eight interns, and knowing that I was going to be taking them into some pretty deep spiritual and relational waters on the first day of our meeting together, I said this. I said, you're going to communicate with each other? No impassioned emails. No matter what you have to say to each other, if there's a shred of emotion in it, pick up the phone, or better yet, make an appointment face-to-face, say what needs to be said. Because we're destroying relationships by hiding behind the distance and social networking. I think the thing called Facebook should actually be called, I can say pretty much anything I want because I don't have to look at your Facebook. (laughs) And it's hard, isn't it? Because people tick you off, don't they? And you tick people off. And God says, I've created you for relationship with one another. What a gift. Look around this place. This is God's great gift to you. One another. What's going on? Relationships can be so hard. Some of you here may have a terrible track record in relationships. You see, man, I've just messed every one of them up. Even some of my covenant promises, I've broken. I've, you, you don't understand, Tom. You know It's tough. You have a terrible track record, and it haunts you. I know why that is. You ready? It's because the devil hates you. The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if God means for relationships to bring you life, as oxygen brings you life you can expect the devil to be as interruptive in them as possible. It's a spiritual battle that we're fighting to love one another. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle that we have going on here to forgive one another and embrace one another and esteem one another. It's a spiritual thing that's going on here. And Some of you have been so bad at this, maybe you've just kind of deemed yourself not relationship worthy anymore You just—I just I, I just can't do it I'm going to do the rest of this by myself so what should you do what should any of us do with any of this I mean it's one thing to open the Bible and say here's what God means for us but I don't want to leave you there what am I supposed to do I'm going to give you three things first you should accept your essential position as a created being you've got to start here You have to start by going, I'm a created being, God is God, I am not. God is God, I am not. God is the creator, I am the creation. You have to start there. I mean, if you study the scriptures and study history, you'll see that the whole original thing, uh, original sin thing, is about rebellion against this. It's about people saying, no, I want to be God. God. No, you don't have a right over me. I know you said not to do this, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. And it's about confusing our eternity with God's infinity. Listen, the Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's what we have. We're eternal, but we're not infinite. We're finite. Catch this. We're eternal, but we're finite. God is both eternal and infinite. There is no beginning or end to God. We could never have his job. We could never do it because we're not infinite. And yet the whole original sin thing is about, I don't want you to be God over me. I want to be God over me. And when we do this, what do we do? We withdraw. We withdraw from relationship with God because he keeps insisting on being God. And we withdraw from relationship with one another. It's a terrible thing. And life begins to truly come to us when we accept the fact that God is God and we are not. And that means we humbly recognize that he's our creator and we're his creature. And when we do this, we begin to realize that whatever he says about us is true. Because he made us, so he's the expert. And if he says that we're created for relationships, then as those who have humbly accepted our place as the creation and not the creator, we say, okay, sign me up. He knows it's hard. (laughs) when we just resigned to our place as the created order. I have a couple of old junker snowmobiles that I snagged off Craigslist. It's been a great week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you have a, a, a small farm, as Karen and I have, and when you're a couple of kids from Michigan, how can you not snag a couple of snowmobiles off Craigslist? Now, when I say snowmobiles, it's really air quotes because these These Articats are 30 years old, and uh, their owners practically paid me to take them out of their barns, please. (laughs) So they're pretty rugged. But I got them running, and we chased each other around, Karen and I. (laughs) I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, they're very, very simple machines as a a snowmobile, as a gas-driven machine can be. I mean, it's got a fuel tank. You pre-mix the gas and the oil because they're two-cycle. It's got a little vacuum diaphragm uh, fuel pump that pushes the gas into the carburetor and in there it mixes the gas and the air together and throws it across this rotary valve two-cycle deal. It's a pretty good two-cycle. And... uh, Throws it in there just the right time. The spark comes bam, throws the piston down, turns this thing around. There's a centrifugal clutch on the outside of this thing going round, 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 round. That's just a thing with a spring on it. So when you wind it up, the spring closes, grabs the belt, which runs the track, and off you go. <laughs> this is what you look like when you ride one of these things. It's a blast. But these things are old, but they're simple. That might sound complicated, but it's really not. And what I found is that these things are the happiest when every little part does its part. When every simple part sees itself as what it's supposed to do and does it. And you know what? I am not their creator, but I am their God. And I know, there are, I, know I am their God because they constantly cry out to me for healing. They break in the worst possible places. And so what do I do? I know I'm their God because I lift the hood and I bust my knuckles and actually bleed over them to, to bring about their healing. And I bring about their healing in the simplest way. I look for whatever piece in that chain isn't doing what it's supposed to do. It's that simple. And I say, listen, buddy, you better start doing what you are intended to do or I'm going to replace you. I'm going to take you apart piece by piece, and I'm going to fix you. So they get scared when they see me lift that hood. God is God. We are the creation. It all begins when we just start saying, you're God, I'm not. You can say whatever you want about me, and since you're the creator, what you have said about me is true. I don't understand it all, but I accept it as true. And if you said I need oxygen, I'll keep breathing. And if you said I need relationship, I'll find it. I'll sign up for that. Does that make sense? It starts there. If you want to get the relationship thing going on in a happy way. Second, you must be born again. What? Well, yeah, you've got to be born again. Listen, just functioning as an unredeemed created being isn't going to make it happen for you. Here's what happened in the garden. We were created in this perfect state. But then sin entered. Sin entered. And what did it do? Primarily, it broke relationship. And when the relationship with God was broken, then the relationship with one another was broken. And you have two brothers killing each other two chapters later. So if we want to have relationship both with God and with one another in the way that the Bible describes, then the the effect of sin has to be reversed. Now, I don't know about you, but I've noticed I can't do that on my own. Anybody? Try as hard as you will. You have a couple of good days, and then you're right back to the person you really are. Have you noticed this? I cannot reverse the effect of sin in my life. I'm powerless to. Good news. Jesus Christ came as the Son of God lived a perfect life, voluntarily shed his blood on the cross so that he would reverse the effect of sin for us. He showed he was powerful to do this by rising from the dead. And so we must be born again. The Bible says unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And surely that talks about heaven, but it talks about the dimensions of the kingdom of God that are meant to be experienced now in the here and now. Why are we waiting? But you must be born again. How am I born again? You come to God in repentance and faith. You turn from your sin in repentance. You say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to turn to you. I want to turn away from all this stuff that has my attention. I want to turn to you. And in faith, you say, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for me. And right now, in faith, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life as Savior and Lord. If you meet God there with that kind of authenticity, you will be born again. God will do the work. But you must be born again in order for this to happen. And some of you have that stirring inside of you right now. You have, right now you're going, I think I need to be born again. All right, well, why don't you just be born again? Go. <laughs> Pray. Here's how the prayer goes. God, I really want that. Amen. I mean, you don't have to make it a big religious thing. Do you want to follow Jesus? Well, then turn to him from your sin right now where you are. You don't have to march up here and sign a card and get a Bible. We'd love to give you one. But it's about you and it's about God. Third thing, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to have a relationship with God, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's how God shows himself to us. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only did Jesus the Son die, remember our image, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not only did he die and rise for us, but he went to the Father, and the Bible says, in going, he sends the Holy Spirit. And you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to encounter God in the power of his Holy Spirit. God wants to come and indwell us and invade us with his presence, with his Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will allow you to do two things. First, it will give you opportunity to have relationship with God. That's how we have relationship with God. That's how it moves from just believing in Him to having experience with Him is in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. It'll allow you to have relationship with Him. This is the thing that's reversed by the blood of Jesus, and then this is the thing that's activated by the Holy Spirit is this relationship with God. Does that make sense? Let me put it this way. Did anybody here get a gift card or two for Christmas? Raise your hand. Oh, good. You'll understand this then. You're excited, huh? They're nice, huh? Especially when they say like fifty on them or something, you know. And there's a nice picture of the place, the restaurant or the store, whatever, the logo or something that's on there, and you just tuck that in your wallet or your purse or something in your pocket, you walk around going, I got power now, right? I got power. No, you don't, you got plastic. You got plastic. And that thing remains a piece of plastic until you do what? Show up at the place and activate it. Activate its power. Say, I am here for 14 burritos right now. Someone else has paid it for me. But until you do that, it's a piece of plastic. This is the message of the gospel. Jesus paid it for you. But I seem to see a lot of Christians who seem content in just walking around with the card in their wallet. Oh, yeah, I did it. I confessed my... I asked him in. I got the card right here. I got it right here. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? With the God who says, I don't just want to save you for later. I want to mess you up now. What are you waiting for? you to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you want to have a relationship with God. You also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you want to have a relationship with one another. I mean, Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It sounds like the things you're gonna need to have relationship with me. You're gonna need every one of those things to get along with me. And Dora, you've been here too long. Don't laugh that hard, okay? Because you know it's so true. <laughs> You're going to need every one of those things to continue in relationship with me. Am I right, Chester, Marie, Pat, you guys who have been with me for 20 years? Self-control. <laughs> Especially self-control. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. These are, the, these are the tools that we need for relationship. How do we get these? But the fruit, what? Spirit. Of the Spirit. You can't buy these. You can't develop these. These come as a natural byproduct, fruit of being engaged by the Holy Spirit. Make sense? So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the things that you need to do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is famously quoted as saying, let him who cannot be alone beware of being in community. And that's really true. If you can't be alone with God, what are you really going to have to bring to the community? It begins with a lone relationship with God. But um, the rest of the quote that often goes unquoted is when he said, And let him who is not in community beware of being alone. There's a dangerous kind of individualism that leads to isolation. James chapter 1 says that each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away, isolated, and enticed. That's the devil's plan for you. That's the devil's plan for you right there. God's plan for you is that you would embrace your place as a created being, that you would be born again by his blood, that you'd be filled with his Holy Spirit and equipped to have a relationship with one another. So what do you need to do today? Resign, say, okay, you are God. You are God. You are. I am powerless to help myself. You are God. You are God. I'm not God. It really, the whole process of being born again begins there a recognition of who God is and why He has a right to demand this. You are God. Being born again, turning from our sin and turning to Him and saying, Oh, I I need Jesus now more than ever. Lord, can I be born again, again? Again, again? Uh, You know, I haven't had my first perfect day yet. Have you? You know, I need this to be an active. I don't need this to be a one-time thing. I need this thing to happen again and again and again. So would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, if there's any hope of righteousness in me, if you ever want to hope to be able to show somebody my picture, Lord, you're going to have to fill me with your Holy Spirit. let's just bow before the lord and you do what needs to happen right there where you are lord in heaven this is hard lord and we trust you but it's hard to have relationships jesus it's hard to have a relationship with you god and you're perfect you want us to have relationship with each other? This is a hard word, Lord. And yet you say it's life to us. It's oxygen that we're created for it. And so we receive it from you, Lord. We haven't been good at this, Lord. We've, the one thing that's consistent about us is that we can mess these up. And so we come to you, Lord, and we have some precious, powerful relationships that we're thankful for, but it's hard not to think about the ones that we've messed up, Lord. And so we come to you and think about the times that we made promises we didn't keep, said things we shouldn't have said. Gone into areas of intimacy, maybe, we shouldn't have gone into. Got things that we've done in relationships to others and then blamed it on them. You've seen our lies. You see through us. Lord, we've made some very serious promises, even covenant marriage promises that we've messed up and we've broken. And where do we go from there, Lord? Where do we even begin? We're going to need you very seriously for this, Lord, to give us what we need to answer this call for relationships. Lord, some of us are scared. We're scared to try. We know how it, the story goes and it doesn't go well and so we need you, God. We need you to come. And some of us don't have time. We don't have time for this, God. We're busy. We. How can I possibly begin to care about some more people, God? Where does that even go? We, these are our prayers, Lord. And I, you know, I just want to encourage you people just to pray out. If any of these prayers are your prayers, just build on them in your own talk with God right now. Lord, I'm... I'm plagued by my failures in relationship. Would you help me? Some of you are going to want to pray that. God, I'm death to relationships. I'm like, I'm like kryptonite to good relationships. God, and could you help me? Could you come? And I want to pray for the students in here, for the middle school and high school students in here. I just. I just think you're praying something like, God, it's hard to be in school and, you know, maybe I'm in the cool group or not, but it's, it's still hard, God. It's hard to be me. It's hard to go to school and hear the things that are said about me. And sometimes I say things I, I shouldn't have said, God, and this is hard. It's hard. I've, I've had friends that I tricked and I didn't, I wasn't friends with them anymore. And all kinds of hard things, God, I, I just feel like I'm setting myself up for failure God, I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right look. I don't have, I'm not cool. God, help me. Help me, God. Help me. God, I want to be a friend. I want to be a friend to somebody, but I I don't know how. Would you help me, God? Maybe some of you are senior citizens and you're you're very alone and and your prayer goes something like, God, this is hard. I, I don't know if I ever would have got married if I would have thought that being a widow or a widower would be this hard. This is hard. I can't do this. There's nobody to talk to. You're not conversant enough, God, for me. There's nobody in the room. God, help me. I don't like other people my age because they're so old, God. And I just, I just want you. I, I just, I need you, God, to help me. You know, maybe you're single, and you just you beg God for a, a mate, and your prayer goes like, God, you know, I, I've been here. I've begged you, and nobody came, God. Is this, is this something that's true? Then come, please, God, help me. You know, maybe you're new here, and you haven't found your way into any relationships. You look around a room like this, and God, where do I even begin? There, there are a lot of people in here. Where do I even start? God, would you open a door? Would you show me? Would you show me a group of people who will have me? Don't drive me crazy, God. Would you just show me that group? Right now, Lord, at the very least, we just want to bow before you and openly say that you are God and we're not. And if you said we need relationships, then we're going to need what you have to give us. You give us oxygen for every breath. You're faithful to just make trees that create oxygen for us all the time. Would you be faithful to provide this? I had a thought in the first service in prayer, you guys, that um, was I don't think it was a word from God. It was just a thought. It was, I saw myself sending one of my kids when they were smaller off to the store to get a loaf of bread, and I thought I would never do that and not give them money. I would never say, go get a loaf of bread and see if you can earn the money on the way. But I would give them money. And the Bible says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So if God's calling you to do something, He's always going to give you what you need for it. And some of you are saying, I know He's calling me to do relationships, but I can't. And so you just turn to Him and say, God, you're going to have to give me what I need. And He will. He will. So Lord, we look to you in this time and we want to be faithful to your call and your word in our lives. I thank you for each person here, wherever they are with this, Lord. I just thank you for them. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit to come and fill us now. Fill us with your Spirit. It's life to us, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord. we have some prayer ministry people jump on up here and make yourselves available to pray? These guys are up here, and they'll pray for anything for you. Maybe you are being stirred today to be, become born again, give your life to Jesus, whatever that means. You just come up and say, I want to do that. And these guys will know what to do. They'll know how to help you. Maybe you want to be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They'll know what to do. Maybe you're a person who has some critical thing going on in your life. I said, just like somebody to pray about this. Maybe a big decision. Maybe you got bad news at the doctors. Who knows? But you just come on up to these guys, and they'll be happy, happy to pray with you, whatever whatever the situation is.